and suddenly we are back in Capernaum. Our gospel lesson for today from Mark chapter 1 uh, takes place in that location. That is the synagogue in Capernaum, not the one where Jesus spoke in our lesson today and performed an extraordinary act of power, but it's built on top of it. This, this particular synagogue called the, the Grand Synagogue was built in the fourth century probably on top of a synagogue that was earlier where Jesus did speak these words of power in our gospel today. I've been there several times. Many of you have too. I've got to tell you that when you stand in the midst of a place like that, and in particular that one, just you know, 50 yards or so from the uh, uh, Sea of Galilee, you can hear the sea behind you. And if you're quiet and still your heart, you can hear the voice of Jesus because the voice he spoke in the synagogue still reverberates throughout the Christian faith. Let's look at this for just a moment. It begins in sort of a cryptic way, like most of Mark's writings. You know, Mark to me is uh, sort of the first century equivalent of a journalist. He keeps things short and to the point. And so this passage begins today by saying, and suddenly they arrived in Capernaum. Now this is right at the beginning of Jesus's ministries. And in Mark's gospel, this is the beginning of what Jesus did. But they came from somewhere to get there because the, the Greek uh, text says they came as far as Capernaum and arrived there. Well, Luke tells us in this particular story, this casting out of a demon in that synagogue is only found in Mark's gospel and also in Luke's. And um, Luke tells us in his narrative that Jesus was first in Nazareth. Now that was his hometown, Jesus of Nazareth. But when he spoke at the synagogue in Nazareth, he made the people so angry that they tried to kill him because he was reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the passage that says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and describes the, the characteristics of the Messiah. And then Jesus says to them in Nazareth, behold, this scripture has come true in your presence. And first they were amazed at that. And then they said, wait, we know this guy. We know his mother, Mary. We know this guy's family. How did he get all of this? And so they drove him out of the synagogue to the brow of the hill and threatened to throw him off. He made them so mad they wanted to kill him. Now that's some powerful confrontational sermon to do that. He walked through the midst of them and they came with his apostles to Capernaum. The first Sabbath when he was in Capernaum, he went into the synagogue and he began to, to, to teach them. Now, not just any teaching, teaching. They were amazed at the words he spoke because his words contained power, unlike the scribal preaching they heard. Nothing against the scribes, but they probably preached pretty, pretty good uh, expositional, uh, exegetical sermons about their scriptures. But Jesus spoke with power straight to their heart. 
and in the middle of his homily, a man with an unclean spirit rose up and shouted at him, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, Jesus responded saying two things, two things that he wants us to remember because there is such darkness in the world today just like there was then in the first century, the evil one is still prowling the world, seeking souls to devour. And so we have to be wise and follow his words and not listen to the other words coming from the darkness. Now, at the nine o'clock mass, I welcomed about 20 young people preparing for baptism during Easter. And their parents, they stood right up here in front and their parents behind them. And, you know, they were anointed. I anointed their forehead. Their parents anointed all their, their senses. They anointed their eyes with the sign of the cross, their mouth with the sign of the cross, their ears with the sign of the cross, their heart with the sign of the cross, their hands with the sign of the cross, their feet with the sign of the cross. We commended them and committed them under the sign of the cross, targeting their senses. Because Satan wants you to hear his words and see his visions and signs and speak his language and feel what he wants you to feel. Just like he's doing all through the internet. Just go cruise around for a little bit. And I was speaking directly to these young people, but also to everyone else. When we have an idle few moments and we want to just cruise around on social media, well, guess who's waiting there for you? You have to remember Jesus' words addressed to the demon in Capernaum so we don't get seduced in the wrong direction. There's nothing in the darkness that can edify us in any way. It adds nothing to us. We have all we need in the words of Jesus. And he gives that demon in our lesson today, just as he do does in the uncounted number of other exorcisms he does. We don't know how many demons Jesus exercised because often whole groups of people came to him. He healed the ones who needed healing. He gave a word of hope to those who needed hope. He expelled the demons when he confronted them. And he always told the demons two things. Told the demons, when they were speaking loudly in the synagogue, he said, be quiet. First thing, he doesn't want us to listen to them. There is nothing in their words that can edify us or add anything to our lives. So he tells them, be quiet. Then he casts them out. Come forth, go. Because he doesn't want us to hang out with them. They can bring nothing to us but darkness. All Satan can offer, and I tell my confirmation students, and I have for 30 nine years now almost, 
All Satan can offer us is a trip to hell, a one-way ticket. That's it, period, nothing else. We have forgiveness of sins and eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ who casts out the demon. Now, there are a lot of people who have argued about, well, are we sure this is a demon? Wasn't this just a troubled young man? Now, uh, St. Pope John Paul II put an exorcist in every diocese in the church. Yes, demons are real. And there are exorcists in all the dioceses who deal with them. Now, the, the canon law allows any priest to deal with what's called a minor possession. And a minor possession is, is when someone is obsessed with darkness and evil. I've dealt with a lot of, especially my students, who are obsessed with darkness to the point where they lose their common sense. They're not possessed of evil or by the evil one. They're obsessed with him. And Satan manipulates by redirecting them. And I've dealt with a lot of those students and people who get confused about darkness. They forget that there's nothing in the darkness of evil that can add anything to us, but it can hurt us and those around us. But for a major possession like this in the gospel, where someone is actually consumed almost spiritually by the evil one, that's only for the specific exorcist to do. And so Jesus exorcises the demon in Capernaum. Somewhere in the middle of that, the uh, first century synagogue is on the same location. So somewhere down, you know, 20 feet or so, it's where Jesus spoke the word to the demon. And uh, there are different words that are used for d uh, demonic. Uh, the, the one that's used here, is pneumati akatharton, which is an unclean spirit. A spirit that is vile and impure. Just like the ones that people encounter when they go into the dark places on the internet and get addicted to those images and pictures that have nothing but indecency and vileness and corruption about them. And people keep going back to it because you give the evil one a little bit of leeway and he, he stays and takes more and more. As I tell my students, I told the kids today, said, Satan has no authority over you. Zero. Except when you choose to give him a little piece of your attention. It's a little bit of time. It's not going to hurt to just look at this for a little while. It won't hurt to hang out with these people who just listen to the voice of the Lord speaking within you. I was 16 years old when I first encountered Satan and evil and darkness. 16. I had just gotten my driver's license. Parents, Grandparents, when your kids get their driver's license, pray for them. Do exactly what we did with these young people at the 9 o'clock Mass. Sign them with the sign of the cross. Pray over their senses that their eyes will see only the things of Christ. Their ears will hear only 
how Jesus will, wants them to hear. That their mouths will only say the words that the Lord gives to them. That their hands will only do the work of Christ. Their feet will only take them on the path that Christ has for them. But I was 16 years old, able to drive a car for the first time. I was 16 years old. I thought I knew everything, but I was not wise. But I've got to tell you, I'm so grateful that I was raised in a family that did two things. We read the Bible, number one, and number two, we believed it. It's the sacred story that you're in. We're all in it. We belong to the one who wrote it and who created us. But I played the guitar, and I played in what was known as a garage band back in that, those days in the 60s. If you don't know what a garage band uh, is, ask your grandparents or great-grandparents. <laughs> I was, uh, played in a garage band. We all had guitars and little amplifiers, and we mainly had to play in the garage with the door closed because some of the noise we made wasn't pleasing to, to others. But one of the, the guys in my band said, you need to go to such and such house. They want you to bring your guitar over. And I didn't know this other family. And they said, they're going to call you, so you take your guitar. They've got a great music room in their basement. Oh, it's awesome. They have stereos down there. Now, if you don't know what a stereo is, ask your grandparents. <laughs> but... So they called, and I went over and put my guitar in the car. Now, my parents were strict. They said, where are you going? Are their parents home? How long are you going to be? When are you going to be back? Ask your children those questions. Uh, I didn't know this family, but they told me, yeah, my, our, there was a, a one a boy my age, and his older brother was 18. And uh, I... Uh, they told me, yeah, parents are here. When I got over there, went down, they had a great music room, uh, but their parents were not at home. So they had lied to me to get me over there. And then they were diso disobedient because they weren't supposed to have anyone over there while they were there alone. So I knew before they even opened their mouths that they were liars and disobedient liars. But they had great musical stuff. <laughs> So I took my guitar over and started, you know, tuning up and everything. They, on the other hand, broke into their dad's liquor cabinet and started with bottles, I don't know what they were, drinking. And I thought, okay, they're disobedient liars who like to drink. And so I, I thought, okay, they'll get to music. And anyway, they... They were drinking quickly, and they were getting out of control quickly. They started spinning around. They got out some candles, started lighting them. I noticed the room was getting darker. Evil is tangible. You can see darkness. And it was getting dark. They got out a book that they said was a, a book of incantations that they were going to sing, and, and they were going to summon forth a mighty spirit and it would be great. And within minutes, they were cutting themselves with knives, bleeding. I'd read scripture. I knew that's what the prophets of Baal did when they were confronting 
uh, Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. That's what they did. They cut themselves in their rituals. And so they were singing and out of control and chanting things I didn't know. And all I could hear in my mind was, Jesus said, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. And I thought, I'm out of here. I left. But I knew what was happening because I could see the darkness gathering in the room. Now it turned out those two boys got in big trouble when their parents got home because those candles started a fire in their, in their basement. It didn't kill them, but it made a mess. But I learned enough to know, why would anyone go to that trouble to try to summon forth something that's only going to hurt or kill them? Would we have the king of the universe inside of us who loves us, who's defeated all of that? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never overcome it. And we know that Jesus gave this ministry, not only of exorcism, but of healing, but of preaching and teaching and compassion and kindness and mercy. He gave that ministry to his apostles, who then went out, according to the scriptures and the gospels, to do the same. We read the Acts of the Apostles. We see what they did, speaking with great power. And the apostles gave it to their disciples, who gave it to their disciples, who gave it and passed it on to their disciples. The ministry that comes straight from the Lord Jesus Christ that tells us to this day, and we need to please tell our children and grandchildren that Jesus says, in the presence of darkness or evil, first to trust in him. St. Paul says in the last verse of our second lesson today, stay focused. Don't lose focus. Stay focused on him. But the evil is to be quiet and to go. Flee. We're not to hear what they say. We're not to hang out with them. So, as we are on the threshold of Lent, let's let this powerful word from the Lord Jesus stay with us, accompany us, let it be our guide. When we come across darkness, let us remember who's with us. When we wind up with a pop-up thing in front of us that we don't know whether to click or not, let the light within you guide you, the light of Christ. He will never lead you off his path. He will always lead you deeper and deeper into relationship with him. And remember, he always loves you. And the words and the power he gives to us we're meant to share with others around us. There are a lot of people who don't know that evil can hurt you. There are a lot of people who don't know that we may think that we're playing around with it, but the evil is not playing around with us. It wants possession of us. But... We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have his sign on our forehead. We have his presence within us. When we come forward, we receive him into us. And he will never leave you or forsake you. We have his word on that. Listen to his words telling evil to be quiet and to go away. Yet we don't need it. We simply need him. And in him we find all that we need, and he loves us and will never leave us.